Peace and blessings, everyone. Welcome to the new Just Us Speaks podcast from Just Leadership. I'm your co-host, Lester Young. And I'm your co-host, Hakeem Crampton. Just Us Speaks podcast is being produced to amplify the voices of directly impacted people, particularly the voices of formerly incarcerated people. Just Leadership was founded on the principle that those who are closest to the problem are also close to the solution, but too often further from the resources and power to affect positive change. So on this first season of the Just Us Speaks podcast, we are interviewing leaders from the most recent 2022 cohort of Just Leadership USA's Leading with Conviction Leadership Training Program. Today, today we're talking with our sister, our sister, Kim Woodson. Kim is a civil rights advocate, legal scholar, public speaker, directly impacted organizer, working to end mass incarceration, expand opportunities for people upon release from jails and prisons. So after being sentenced to life in prison at the age of just 17 years, Kim took her first step on the road to redemption after the Supreme Court ruled that juveniles can no longer be sentenced to life. Kim became one of the only two female lifers who were released in Michigan in the wake of the Supreme Court decision for Montgomery versus Louisiana. Ten more remains incarcerated. In May of 2017, Kim was released after serving 29 years and vowed to do all she could to help save others from making the same mistakes she made decades prior. She was determined to do something positive with the rest of her life. And in 2019, she founded Redeeming Kimberly, a nonprofit dedicated to assisting returning citizens transitioning from prison life to society and helping those who were previously incarcerated navigate the many challenges of reentry, securing housing, food, clothing, employment, etc. Wow, man. It's truly the example of a rose grow from concrete, right? I mean, said it's been 10 years since the United States Supreme Court ruled in Miller versus Alabama that mandatory life without parole sentence for juveniles were unconstitutional, making nearly 2,000 juvenile lifers eligible for resentencing and for parole. In August 2019, Kim joined Michigan Liberation as a fellow and has since served as a leading voice advocating for the resentencing of juvenile lifers in Michigan. In 2020, Kim played an integral role in Michigan Liberation's prosecutor campaign to reform Michigan's criminal legal system and help to elect Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald. Kim is the mother of Kai Erica and Jay Marie, her miracle baby born in 2018. Kim, welcome to the Just Us Speak podcast. She's been busy. You got us over here Thank like... You. Wow, once this. you said like that, I was like, wow, who are you talking about? You know, that's I'm just amazed at how God will give you the strength you need when you're on the right journey and mm. you just keep going. So, wow, she's a phenomenal sister and I hope <laughs> to see her do great things in the future. You're already doing it. That's the beauty of like, like when you when you get a chance to like listen to your own bio and you sit back and you be like, wow, like do you think about it like you were sentenced to life in prison at a very young age and did 29 years inside of that facility and came home and founded mm-hmm. Redeeming Kimberly. That's like, it's so much that we can unpack that, you know, but we can all in this podcast can agree that there's definitely a God of power, a God of redemption to pull all of us out of the furnace and put us where we are today. So sister, man, I want you to continue to wear your crown and continue to walk with your head up because God has brought you out of that circumstances to do some phenomenal things, which you already doing. Continue to wear that crown and continue to walk in your greatness, sis. Thank you, Kings. Thank you. So Hakeem, what, what we're going to start off today with, Kim, what do you want to get into? There's so many things I want to unpack, but I'm not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. First, I just want to unpack the name mm. because you pause and 
the name signifies everybody is in a stage of change mm. and everybody is a stage of redemption. And for those of us who are incarcerated, we are coming home. And we are constantly in a state of proving ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to remind our loved ones that was incarcerated and made them a state that no, you're in a constant state of redemption. Mm-hmm. So you're redeeming. So that K, it can be anybody's name. It can be redeeming Hakeem. It can be redeeming Lester. I wanted people to understand that we are in the redeeming business. And mm-hmm. as long as you have hope, people can change and don't mm-hmm. give up on anybody. And I'm not going to leave nobody behind just because they're in an incarcerated state. So mm-hmm. I want them to know redemption is possible. Absolutely. Let's start right there, Kim. Ahead, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Akeem. You know me. I'm out of line. Yeah, she, she gave us a good nugget right there. But let's start right there. You know, for a person like yourself who was essentially condemned to die in prison, what does it mean to have hope and then see that actual hope? fulfilled and you actually received your freedom in which you were previously condemned that what does that mean how powerful is hope in this leadership journey it's everything it's like if a person cannot see a light at the end of the tunnel if they surrounded by darkness and they don't have just a flicker of a light that one little match can light up a whole cave and that's a flicker of hope and if they focus on that light the darkness fades away And that's how important it is. You cannot see your way through any situation without the power of hope. You know, just thinking about like, you know, when I was given life in prison, I had a possibility of parole, but you was given a natural life in prison, right? With no possibility of ever possibly walking out of prison. When you heard that sentence being passed down to you and you walk your first day walking into that adult prison, did you ever like thought that you would be to this point where you're at today? Uh, And what did it take for you to push through all of that stuff inside of prison to be standing on this side of the fence many years later? Well, my transition was a little slower because Mm -hmm. my judge could not bring it to himself to say what my sentence Mm -hmm. was. He was crying. Everybody in the courtroom was crying. And he Mm -hmm. never actually said on record that I had a natural life sentence. Mm -hmm. He just said it was the hardest thing he ever had to do in his whole career was to sentence me today. And it was a mandatory sentence that had to be carried out, but it was against his will. So I really didn't know and understand until I got to prison and they handed me my timesheet and it had letters. And the person that walked in with me, she had numbers and she was asking me to explain something to her. And I couldn't explain. I said, hold up. I got L-I-F-E and bold letters. Wow. Across this, and it says, I don't know what ERD mean, but whatever it is, I have letters. So I walked up to the counter and I said, Excuse me, ma'am, can you tell me what this means? And of course, you know, prison Mm. politics and people. The lady looked at me and said, That means you ain't never going nowhere. Mm. So, me being Mm. pregnant with my child at the time, I held my child Mm. and I said, The devil is a lie. I have my only child inside of me and I'm going home to her. I don't know when, but I am. And I sat down and something shook me and that shaking settled me enough to face it in real time without being so emotional and not focus on the future, but just focus on what's ahead of me. And my Mm -hmm. first goal was my judge said, accomplish something you too bright. 
So I want to prove to him that I can get a GED. So I got it. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a vocational class. So it enabled me to focus on things right in front of me and enabled me to eventually become the woman that I am because I kept focusing on a better future with hope, but I built on the present on just trying to be a better Kimberly and trying to enhance everybody's life around me that I could. It wasn't always easy in that environment, but I'd say true to who I was as an individual. And I was sometimes an outcast. I was some as looked as a prey, like I was dumb and I was crazy because you should be wilding out. You should be bucking out. And I had my share of immature moments. But in the end of the day, it was by the grace of God that I held on to that hope that it was something better. And I had to prepare for that better. And that's what propelled me. You just mentioned something that I was unaware of as you went through the leading with conviction. And you mentioned that not only was you given life, but you was also pregnant, entering inside of the prison facility with a with a natural life sentence yes like how did it affect you as a mother knowing that you're giving birth to someone that you may not be able to spend quality time with after they're born could you share with our our listeners what was that i almost gave her up for adoption Mm. i almost gave my baby up Mm. and i'm so grateful that i fought and I was willing to suffer the pain mm. that every visit endured, every time she had to leave, every phone call that ended. I'm so grateful to this day that I was willing to suffer that pain that I knew was coming. Mm. As a mom, I was mm. so grateful, and I am, because I almost gave mm. her up. Wow. That, that's powerful, sis. Like, yeah. Super powerful. Oh, man. Just Leadership USA amplifies the power of directly impacted people by investing, educating, empowering, and elevating their voices so they have the tools and resources to self-organize and advocate for themselves, their families, and their communities. Together, we build an equitable, fair, and just U.S. To date, over 1,400 leaders in 45 states and in Washington, D.C., are hard at work transforming people and communities who are harmed by mass incarceration. Please partner with us to bend the arc of criminal legal reform by donating to our leadership programs today. Our network of leaders is strong and growing. Together, we're building local power for national impact. Every donation supporting JLUSA and our leaders has a ripple effect across families, communities, and generations. With your support, we can continue working together towards our singular vision of a just, equitable future for all. To learn more, go to jlusa.org backslash give 2023. That's jlusa.org backslash give 2023. Let me ask you how, how that experience, how that translated into your passion for your work, Redeeming Kimberly. And that brought you into Just Leadership USA, right? To get this training development so that you could make sure that Redeeming Kimberly is an effective organization. So tell us about that. When I first came home, somebody kept begging me to go on the radio and I couldn't understand for the life of me, what could I possibly have to say that was so impactful 
to be on somebody's radio station. So they kept pestering me and they kept saying, please. And then, it, of course, it was 6 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday. And I was like, are y'all kidding me? But I got on and I finally called and I said, OK, I'll be on. And another juvenile that had did 44 years in prison, mm. he called in and he was ready to give up. And he said, I just want to go back. Mm. And I said, if you meet me at this rally today about juveniles, just give me one chance to talk to you. And me talking to him, inspiring him to keep going, to give society a new opportunity to grow because we were so young. And yes, we did do the majority of our time incarcerated in a lot of things in life we would never experience or have any like something to draw on to make informed decisions about and I know it can be very overpowering but just meet me and he did and I was able to give him the hope that he needed to keep going and that made me have a voice it was like I do have something to say because everybody at this rally is talking about juvenile lifers but they haven't experienced what it is to be a juvenile. And here I am right here listening to them talk about what they think we feel. But I know. So who am I not to say yes? I'll take the mic. And when I took it, something took over me and I cleanse myself. And each time I speak and I'm able to give a little part of my experience, it makes me feel like I'm reaching that little Kim. That's mm. out there in Brooklyn, that little Kim that's in Cali or that little Kim that might be in Ethiopia. I'm trying to reach her so that she can have a voice sooner yeah. than later. It's just, I think about like, we know the famous rapper Tupac Shakur wrote that <laughs> rose that grew from concrete, right? Like we know that prisons, people pushed us or we made the decisions. Unfortunately, we are sitting in prison for long periods of time. And many people didn't expect for us to walk out of prison and be the people we are today, right? So we like the rose that grew from concrete, meaning that it's very rare that a rose grows because a rose need nutrition, proper soil and everything like that. But a rose defy the odds of gravity and bust through a concrete and grows, right? And that's how I see a lot of us who are formerly incarcerated our lives, that we were that ones that the rose that grew from concrete and here we are today. So just thinking about like you, your story, you becoming a, a first time, your motherhood inside of prison. And then for 29 years, you, you know that you had a daughter and even with visits, you still wasn't able to fully impact that role as a mother, right? As you going through this personal development, what were some of the challenges you faced as a mother inside of prison and what kept you going? Always being connected. Mm -hmm. That was a challenge because you always have to depend on the caregivers to bring your child to you. Mm -hmm. You have to depend on them, your child, to answer the phone or come to the phone when you call. You have to depend on them to respond to your letters, mm -hmm. your JPEGs, or whatever the case may be, or to volunteer to come visit you. Mm -hmm. Those are challenges. And I learned that I wanted to treat my daughter because I learned like most mothers, we treat our kids like they are our possessions. Mm -hmm. I started treating her early on as an individual in mm -hmm. her own rights and her own feelings. And I think that solidified the bond between us because I never saw her as mine. I saw her as a gift that was given to me each mm -hmm. visit, each phone call, each whatever she shared with me. I saw it as a gift. And I treasured it. 
And I try to instill every lesson that I have learned from the last visit with her. Mm-hmm. I may have schooled her too soon, but my fear was that I would never make it to her and she mm-hmm. would be ill prepared for society. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you had hope that you would walk out of there, but it's still like, let me give my daughter in this precious moments that we have, rather do calls, letters, let me embody everything that I need to give her now, just in case I don't walk out of here as a free woman. Yes. Mm, I feel you on that. I feel you. So it's you- like holding a double-edged sword. You want to use it to hack your way through, but mm-hmm. you can kill a lot of things that it, as you go fast, but you want to say, okay, I can work through this, but how? And you mm-hmm. don't know how to navigate it. And you don't know how to be a parent because you've never been a parent. Mm-hmm. You don't know how really how to be a prisoner because you've never been a prisoner. And you definitely don't know how to do a natural life sentence because you've never had that. And who's to say for your whole natural life, you're going to be in a concentrated state. That's something I don't believe anybody can actually grab a hold to and hold on and maintain. And I believe that is the hidden key and gem to every lifer survival and getting back out because mm-hmm. they can't grab a hold and say, I can't phantom never leaving here. Mm-hmm. I It's got to be a way. As long as I have breath, I got to figure out a way. You know, you, you've been experienced a lot having a life sentence, having children, child taken from you. And we know this work involves a lot of trauma. So we need to care for ourselves. So what does redeeming Kimberly do? You know, to take care of herself, you know, practice self-care and and de-plug from the trauma and the work and just relax. First, I am very, very spiritual. I believe in a higher power. I believe in all things that are higher. And I believe the universe gives you everything you need five minutes before you need it. So I try to trust in that process. But I also do everything I need to slow down when I need to. I enjoy bubble bath. I enjoy walks. I enjoy listening to some jazz. And like, even though I can't stand the drive, but I find that even relaxing and soothing. If I have something deep on my mind, I just put on a, a track, get in my car and just kind of drive around Bella nice and slow at a cruise and just get off into a zone. And I find that the nature and just realizing that I'm free to make a decision. And if I wanted to get in my car at two in the morning and take a night drive, then it's okay. I may be putting my safety at risk, but I can do it. And that in itself always re-energized me instantly. No matter what I'm going through, I remember, hey, I could still be locked up. So I say, Regest, regroup, take out the time to take care of Kimberly because mm-hmm. you can't give from an empty cup. And I want to enrich everybody's life I encounter. So I have to have a full cup. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have a full cup, I can't give it to you. I have to give you my surplus. I think, again, like we can, I'm, I'm like right there in the seat with you, even though I'm doing this interview, I'm feeling all of these emotions because I was thinking about like what it felt like to walk on the grass in prison. You see, like that's a sign in prison, say don't walk on the grass. And you see this beautiful grass, like I want to take my shoes off. You know what I'm saying? So now you have this opportunity to walk and be free, eat and just enjoy life the way you want to. So self-care is important, but I, I want to take self-care to another point, too, is like, the 29 years of that incarceration, what does therapy looks like for you? What does counseling look fi- like for you? Is that something that you have added into your self-care? Because yeah. 20, I know the trauma I've experienced 
just doing 22 years in prison. I'm still like, ah, trying to work some stuff out. So what does therapy look like for you? I am so glad that you asked that question because so many people stay away from mental health and it's like such a stigma. But I personally believe that it's always wise to have somebody, some form of counsel, even if it's like somebody that helps you reach your excellence, somebody that you can talk to and unpack, a spiritual mentor. I have mentors in every area of my life. That's what's up. That's that what's up. I talk to. I have a spiritual mentor, business mentor. I have a, a older lady that's been a wife. She mentored me. You know, I have relationship mentors. It's like so many different things because one, I feel I'm behind the mob and mm. I even have a therapist. Mm. that I talk to and I meet and it's no problem. And I recommend therapy to anybody because if you just have one six month session with a therapist, mm. if you were incarcerated for any amount of time, mm. you need at least six months to unpack one day of <laughs> incarceration that the handcuffs, the bracelets, the hearing the metal gates close, the mm. sleeping on that thin mattress, to seeing stale food. You need something to unpack that to say that you're still worthy of something better. Because once society have threw you in that dungeon and told you that's what you're supposed to deserve, it plays mind games. And you need help to unpack that, to learn what you are worthy of, and that mainly that you have a voice and your voice ain't crazy. It was tried to be stifled. It tried to be silent. But in order to find that voice, you might need therapy. You might need a counselor to help you unpack all the guilt trips that everybody has laid on. All the green gas lighting things that people have done to us in the past. It's things that we have traumas on top of traumas that people don't realize they have experienced mm. that you have to unpack. Mm. And a lot of our macho guys don't think we need to unpack those things. They feel like we okay. It can be something that happened to you at four that you haven't dealt with, that you still reacting to today at 40. And you're going to keep acting that way at 60 if you don't deal with it and unpack it. So I recommend therapy to anyone. Talk to somebody. Come on, sis. Come on. Come on now. Would you you want to become a minister too? (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm not going to tell y'all my mom. I come from, I'm a PK. So don't say that on the okay. podcast. My yeah. mama gonna be thanking you, sending you checks. <laughs> What's up, moms? <laughs> Let's talk about inspiration. As a leader, you know, leaders are inspiring figures. That's just who we are, right? But let's talk about why you were incarcerated. Was there either an inspirational leader, a figure, or a book that really captured your attention and gave you some type of insight to help guide you to the future where we're standing at today? Well, when I was got incarcerated, I started focusing more on our history. Mm. So I dug a little bit deeper than the Detroit School Board version of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And I began to see the philosophy of how much more alike they were than different. They always tried to make Malcolm X as this violent person mm. and that he was deserving of the death that he got and Martin Luther King as this so righteous person and he was undeserving but in all actuality neither one of them deserved to die the way that they did 
And it was the representation of the fight that both of them had Mm -hmm. that inspired me as an individual. And I began to kind of fuse the two Mm -hmm. together and see it in similarities as versus as how they always wanted to see them in different polar opposites Mm -hmm. instead of exactly the fight for our people and the advancement of equality. So that inspired me. And then, believe it or not, I don't even know who wrote this book, but it was called The Coldest Winter Ever, Sister Soldier. Sister Soldier. (laughs) This book, for whatever reason, I've never read hood books and nothing like this before. But somebody kept saying, read this book, you're going to love it. And the mentality behind it taught me more about our people Mm. and the stereotypes and it made me face harsh reality better. And it made me see the stereotypes that I had started putting on my people too. And yeah, believe it or not, that book changed my mentality and my perception of my people. Wow. Sister Soldier, shout out to her, man. Uh, when you said that, I thought about the coldest winter ever in this book called Midnight. Midnight That's the, the another oh. book to that. Yes. That Midnight was... is the either the sequel or the yeah, prequel to the it coldest winter ever. Yeah, it's like, yo, that movie, that, I'm saying movie. I'm surprised she didn't make that into a movie, right? Yes, I've been waiting on it. Like, those books were so good, so good. We are so excited to invite you to the Just Leadership USA 9th Annual Benefit Gala, Monday, June 5th, 2023, at PhD Rooftop Lounge at Dream Downtown in New York City. We're excited to bring JLUSA leaders, allies, and advocates together in person to unite around our shared values and propel our vision for the future. During the last year, we've made significant strides in building our capacity and infrastructure to become the only national systems change movement and policy table led by and for directly impacted people. This coming June, please join us for our first in-person celebration in over two years. Learn more at jlusa.org backslash gala. That's jlusa.org backslash G-A-L-A. Listen, before we wrap this up, man, this has definitely been truly a pleasure. I just want to tell you that I'm over here just like really um, cheerleading and jumping out of my seat because I'm so excited to not only just hear you, but as you went through the Leading with Conviction, as I said, this is the purpose of the podcast is to really to get to know the leaders, you know, and in that little small box and really get a chance to feel your spirit because we were just focusing on, on, on teaching. So I'm just telling you, I love the spirit that is radiating from this podcast right now. And thank you for sharing everything you're sharing with us. And definitely, I believe this audience is going to definitely just continue to benefit and feel what I'm feeling from you. As we come into a close, my thing would just be, you know, we know that you completed this leading conviction. What is the five-year goal for Kimberly when it relates to leadership in community? Taking that 29 years of incarceration, breaking through the concrete, where do you see yourself in leadership in the next five years? I plan to have a Redeeming Kimberly Village which should consist of tiny homes for residents coming out of incarceration states. They will have a hydroponic farm on the premises so that they can have free fruits and vegetables. I want them to have a trade building so they can learn trades. And I'm going to be reaching out to all of my Just Leadership members. I'm going to be using all of my networks and resources 
to connect, to make it a redeeming community village in all major cities so that we our people coming home will have jobs, food, and housing available to them. And I feel like the sky is the limit. It don't have to be redeeming community village. It can be just leadership village in the state. But I want the concept and the ideal to be in every state where we actually do wraparound services for our returning citizens. Mm-hmm. In Michigan, I plan to take over re-entry, period. I plan to show them how to do it right. I plan to show them that it's more than just paying a rent or leading a person to a job. Sometimes it's giving them the courage to say, you can do this job. Mm -hmm. You may not necessarily have the skills that they're looking for, but you have all the life skills that you encountered incarcerated that you can instill in this job and do it better than the Mm -hmm. person that actually went to school for it. It's a wraparound thing that enhances more than just giving a job or a house. It's counseling. It's support groups. It's a one-stop shop for a redeeming Kimberly client to come and learn their resources in whatever state they're in, no matter what country they're in. They should be able to go on a website and see where's the nearest redeeming Kimberly village and how can I get involved. That's my five-year goal. And my 10-year goal. And before I die, my global goal. I see. That's I see. vision. That's vision right there. Love. To bring healing one returning citizen at a time to our community. Wow. Wow. That's all I can say, man. Hakeem, what, what else is this to say, man? Like, just thinking about this thing. Like, yeah, it's like most of us just looking at just myopically, like since you went global, you mentioned Ethiopia because we have to understand that incarceration is not only in the United States, not only in Detroit, South Carolina, it's globally too. People are being impacted with trauma. So I love that 10-year vision. And I say, Ashe, may the creator and the ancestors make that to be the reality, Ashe. That's it. Just mm-hmm. drop the mic on us over here. Like, yo, you know what I'm saying? She's like, yo, this leadership is not just Detroit. It's global, bro. <laughs> so, we definitely thank you, Sharon, your history, your experience, you. your vision, your yeah. dreams, and inspiration with us. And for all the Just Leadership alumni that's out there, we definitely uh, extend an appreciation uh, for the work that's been put in uh, by people like yourself and like us. So thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you again, sis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of Just Leadership, our entire team, we just want to say thank you for sharing. And I'm sure that when the individuals get a chance to hear this podcast, they're going to be blown away and going to continue to contribute and help build the Redeem Kimberly Village. With that being said, may the peace and blessings be upon everyone who has have an opportunity to listen to this podcast and we look forward to connecting with you again soon peace looking forward to growing with y'all thank you